Hey, true crime subscribers, welcome back to your bonus episode for the month of February. We have a pretty grotesque and gruesome case for this month. So I'm going to start us off with a trigger warning, which I usually don't do for Patreon episodes or really my episodes in general, but this one definitely warrants it. Um, so please be advised in this episode, there will be very much in-depth discussions of very brutal rape and murder of women and girls. So please, you know, use your own discretion. I will try to remember to make markers for you guys. Basically, I'll just be like, okay, for anyone who wants to skip this part, this is where you skip. And I will also let you know when we are back. So if any of you want to skip and know exactly when you should be skipping time-wise, I will do my best to try and make that happen for you. But without any further ado, let's get into it. Ah, February, the month of love. And like I said, for the wonderful month of love, I kind of picked this particularly gruesome serial killer because he was known as the dating game killer, a.k.a. Rodney Alcala. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar with this case, Rodney Alcala was officially charged with crimes against at least 10 women and girls, but it is suspected that he has a death count between 50 and 130. And this all took place during the years of 1968 and 1979. Now, Rodney is an enigma as far as serial killer types are concerned. Because he really doesn't fit into one type. Instead, he's a nomadic, unsuspecting wolf in sheep's clothing, career rapist and killer, who actually later refused to admit to or even talk about any of his crimes, thus really falling under the radar of most true crime aficionados out there. Now, he not only was extremely dangerous, but incredibly brutal in his methods and would often pose his victims in ways that would make the likes of Danny Rowling blush. It was also noted that he never forced a victim to go with him because, you know, he was just more charming than Ted Bundy. Rodney Alcala was born Rodrigo Jacques Alcala Buqua in San Antonio, Texas to Raul Alcala Buqua and Anne-Marie Gutierrez on August 23, 1943. And just to point out, he was one of four children. Now, Rodney Alcala did not have the normal serial killer upbringing. In fact, it was quite normal. The only notable trauma from his childhood occurred a few years after his family moved to Mexico when his father just decided he was going to abandon his family. Rodney was around 12 years old at the time that this happened. Now with Raul's abandonment, Anne-Marie found really no reason to stay in Mexico, so she moved herself and her children to Los Angeles, California. Rodney actually did really well in Los Angeles, California. He became a member of the yearbook staff, and there he learned photography. 
He also had friends and was kind of likable. Like he dated. He had a totally, completely normal life. Again, aside from the fact that his father abandoned him. Which, again, you know, not to make light of it, obviously. That is a very traumatic thing to have happen to you. You know, to have a parent abandon you like that. Of course he's going to have issues from that. It's just that when it comes to serial killers... That's not usually the type of thing, like it's not usually just one isolated incident or like one type of abuse, because abandonment is in some way abuse, you can say. So, you know, obviously he was going through some things, but again, compared to other serial killers, usually it's a lot worse. It's usually more physical and mental, emotional abuse that occurs for long periods of times starting usually a lot younger as well. So, again, while I'm not trying to make light of the fact that his father left him and he probably is suffering some trauma from that, you know, again, compared to other serial killers, he got it off pretty easy. At the age of 17, Rodney joined the army and served as a clerk. And unlike, again, most serial killers, he actually did really well. In 1962, however, Rodney learned about his father's death and subsequently his father's new life with a new wife and new children. Now, sadly, this is where things go downhill for Rodney. In 1964, he suffered a nervous breakdown and went AWOL. This caused Rodney to hitchhike from Fort Bragg, which is in North Carolina, all the way across the country to his mother's home in Los Angeles. Now, just to point it out, going AWOL is a crime. And Rodney did turn himself in, which is kind of responsible considering what we'll get into later about him. But instead of being jailed, Rodney was hospitalized. Because, you know, again, he did have a nervous breakdown, so... They figured the best way to handle this was to put him where, you know, he rightfully belonged, which is in a psychiatric hospital. While hospitalized, the military psychiatrist diagnosed him with chronic and severe antisocial personality disorder. Antisocial personality disorder is described as having no regard for the rights of others, having a very weak to no conscience, and impulsive behavior. However, outwardly... And to, like, most people, Rodney did not exhibit this behavior. But after some time, he was considered rehabilitated and was discharged from the military hospital and thus the military. He then decided to attend California State University, but later transferred to UCLA, where he earned a bachelor's degree in fine arts in 1968. Now, whatever sympathy you may have felt for Rodney for having his father abandon him, you just just throw that right out the window right now because it, it's gone. Just let it be gone because from here on out, it's going to get bad. This is not a skip moment just yet, but we're getting there. On September 25th, 1968, Rodney Alcala would commit his first crime. That morning, Rodney was seen luring a young girl into his car and later his apartment. Rodney was driving down Sunset Boulevard when he noticed 8-year-old Tally Shapiro. 
he pulled over and spoke to little Tolly and, you know, told her what her name was. And he said to her that he was a friend of her parents and that he would drive her to school. Now, at first, this didn't trick her and she said no. But then Rodney asked Tolly if she wanted to see a pretty picture. Now, this question would come up or will come up a lot more as we get into this. This is kind of like his tagline, I guess, if you will. Not even. It's just like his line. This is how he lured his victims, specifically his younger victims. Now, this specifically got Tolly to get into the car with him. And luckily for Tolly, a man named Donald Haynes, who was also driving on Sunset Boulevard, saw this whole thing go down and was just like, no, something's not right here, and followed Rodney and Tolly to Rodney's apartment. Again, like he was just not feeling this situation. He was just like, this isn't okay. Like he watched the two of them go into his apartment and he's just like, I don't know. Something is not right. Just like the nun in Matilda. So he goes immediately and he calls 911 and tells them what's going on. However, the police didn't exactly jump on the chance to go down there. So when they finally did, some time had passed. My guess is that it was roughly an hour or two, maybe more, but we don't know for sure. Now, an officer named Officer Chris Camacho arrives at Rodney's apartment and knocks on the door. And Rodney hears this banging, so he sticks his head out the window, which is kind of weird to me because, you know, he's not answering the door. But we'll see why in just a second. He stated to Officer Camacho that, you know, I just got out of the shower. Just give me a second. Spoilers. (laughs) Rodney was lying. After Rodney didn't open the door and just stopped responding altogether, Officer Camacho broke into the apartment. Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends. You've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and cre-cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E made it. Or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order, just slide into her DMs. And if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So, go on Instagram and look up at Mandy Made It. And Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Again, her handle is at Mandy Made It. Mandy spelled M-A-N-D-E-E, and ordered today. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? If so, the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. Have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? 
The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. In addition to the articles published in the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section. This allows people like you to share their own experiences with our readers. To learn more about submitting either to the print or the online edition of the GNLR, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page to find a link to their writer's guidelines. If you have any questions, email stephen.hemrick at glreview.org. The GNLR can't wait to see what you have to say. And remember that they're offering an exclusive code with the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. So when you subscribe to the magazine, you'll receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. So that's seven issues instead of six. Again, just visit the glreview.org and click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR for your free issue. Hi, this is Andrew, and I'm interrupting what I know is an enthralling interview because I want you all to know that we are sponsored by Broadview Press. And if you don't know, Broadview Press is an independent academic publisher who publishes books covering topics like English studies, writing, philosophy, history, gender studies. And every season on the podcast, I interview one of the Broadview Press authors. So for the fall, we had Anne Stevens on to talk about literary theory and criticism. She played a Wizard of Oz literary game with us. She talked about why Bridgerton actually involves literary theory. So does Fifty Shades of Grey. Who knew? Um, and also, we just had on Jeffrey Weinstock, who wrote the first ever pop culture analysis book. So, you know, I am all things a lover of pop culture, especially my Hollywood topics, Real Housewives, the list goes on and on. And he also wrote the book called The Mad Scientist's Guide to Composition, where he's writing a book teaching students about how to write rhetorical strategies, but it's all around this metaphor of being in the mad scientist laboratory, because as you'll learn when you hear our episode with Jeffrey, he is a gothic and horror fanatic. And I mean that in all the best ways possible. So you don't want to miss Broadview Press's exclusive discount because you're listening to the podcast. All of you get an automatic 20% off Use the code Ivory Tower for 20% off site-wide on all of their books. So our in our show notes, we have a link to Broadview Press. Make sure you click the link, put in Ivory Tower, and you're going to get 20% off your order. So enjoy your reading, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Andrew Rimby. I really hope you follow us on social media because that's where you get to see all of the exciting video clips, teasers, and humorous moments. So follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and on our Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. 
I hope you all are following the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Cafe and become a member for only $5. You get all of our interviews and episodes ad-free. You also get to watch the video interviews. You get to see my lovely face and the guest's lovely face. And you get access to all the bonus episodes. So Dr. Jake Newsom talking about the history of the pink triangle, Zach Topping talking about being an army vet and what that meant when he wrote a war novel and a dystopian novel. You get to hear Gregory Maguire's breaking news about the Wicked movie musical, Jesse Green talking about Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein. And what did Stephen Sondheim actually think about Rogers and Hammerstein? So head to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. Please, please provide me an iced coffee. I would love it because I need to stay up to do all these edits. So yeah, see you all in the ivory tower boiler room cafe. And here is Mary DePippi from True Crime and Academia. Hi, everyone. I am Mary DePippi. As Andrew said, I am the host of True Crime and Academia. True Crime and Academia airs on Fridays at 730. Now, to find all things True Crime and Academia, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime and Academia or on Twitter at TC and Academia because, well, they hate it when you have too many characters. Like I said, True Crime and Academia airs on Fridays at 7.30. But if you are a subscriber, you get a bonus episode. That's right. A whole episode just to yourselves that no one else gets to hear. Like, I do a deep dive on the case of JonBenet Ramsey. I deep dive Casey Anthony. We talk about the history of the lobotomy. And most recently, we talked about the Night Stalker himself. Richard Ramirez. So if you want to access all of that extra wonderful content, go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. And like Andrew said, if you could just please buy us a nice coffee, that would that would be great. That would be really, yes, really great. It would be great. We appreciate it. We also interact with all of you on Patreon. So ask us your insightful questions. We will answer them for you. And we want to thank our spring 23 interns, Andrea, Caitlin, Rosie, and Sheila. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to see you all back again in the ivory tower boiler room. Happy winter, everyone.